This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long-lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Hello, spooky friends. It's me, Blair Bathory, your horror host with the most, bringing you the scariest stories from around the world on the Something Scary Podcast. I hope you're having a nice summer so far, wherever you may be. My favorite activity during these warm months is to go camping. Spending time with my friends under the moon and by a campfire is always a treat. Getting to tell scary stories in person is more fun. For now, get cozy in your own home because I have some more terrifying tales to share. We all do our best to count our blessings and be grateful for the abundance surrounding us, but it's much easier to obsess over the bad things and all that we lack. Life would be so much easier if there were a way to just get what we want. When people feel that desperate, they'll try anything to have it their way, even dabbling with the devil's magic. But people never seem to realize when dealing with the devil, a hefty price must be paid, and you'll pay it with your life. First, freshman year terrors, followed by the unforgivable deal, then shopping hell. Finally, in our featured story, Black Magic Backfires. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week, and of those, the scariest ones make it into our podcast, along with the story that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcast or weekly video stories. Visit patreon.com slash snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? The Devil's Magic. College is a great way to make friends. However, not every friend is who they say they are like in this story inspired by Carly. 
It was Layla's first week of college, and she had just met her new roommate, Claudia, who seemed warm, friendly, like her hometown of San Diego. This put Layla at ease because she was nervous she would get someone boring. This was her first time being away from her family, so she felt comfort in knowing that she at least had Claudia by her side. On her way to feminist studies class, she ran headfirst into the most beautiful woman she had ever seen. She had warm olive skin, beautiful curly black hair, and the most hypnotic brown dark eyes. Before Layla could say anything, the mysterious woman smiled and Layla felt dazed, as if time had stopped. Suddenly, the vision of beauty was gone and Layla was no longer at school, but in her bed. She didn't understand what had happened, but Claudia tried to reassure her that she had been sleeping this whole time and that she hadn't left the room. Layla was confused, as she could have sworn she went to class. Later that night, Claudia invited Layla to a party, even giving her a fancy red dress to wear. When Layla showed up, kegs were overflowing and people were dancing and swaying like they were in a trance. Despite feeling uncomfortable, Layla forced herself to dance, only to accidentally break the strap on Claudia's dress. Completely embarrassed, she ran to the bathroom. Thinking she was alone, Layla attempted to fix the dress, only to be interrupted by the same beautiful woman that she had sworn she ran into earlier that day. The woman smiled at her again, and Layla's face turned bright red. She had never been so wooed by anyone. The woman then introduced herself as Lily and helped Layla fix the strap on her dress. As Lily's hand touched the nape of her neck, Layla was overcome with strong visuals of blood. Terrified, she closed her eyes. When she opened them, she was no longer at a house party, but back in her bed with no memory of how she got there. When she looked at her legs, they were completely covered in blood. Freaked out, Layla tried to wash the blood off and called out to Claudia, but there was no answer. She went to the fridge to grab a drink, and when she opened the door, stuffed inside was Claudia's head. Her eyes were gouged out and her mouth was open, missing her tongue. Layla screamed in horror, questioning her own reality. Was this real or was she still dreaming? She turned to grab her phone from the counter to call 911, but instead found a bloody knife. Scared that she somehow was responsible for Claudia's death, Layla panicked and threw some of her stuff in a bag, planning to run away. As she opened her front door, standing in front of her was Lily. Too wired to be taken in by her beauty this time, Layla tried to run past her, but when Lily grabbed her hand, time stopped. Lily whispered, Come with me. Then everything went black. Moments later, Layla's eyes fluttered open, but instead of finding herself back in her bed, she was tied up in a tree in the middle of a forest. Layla was terrified, suddenly noticing Lily. She calmly walked up to Layla with a plate full of grapes. She slowly began to feed her and then painted her face with makeup before gagging her and thanking Layla for being their sacrifice. She was tied tightly, no chance of escape. As the sun set, various women emerged from behind the trees. They were all wearing white robes and holding chalices. Each one walked up to Layla, kissed her on the cheek, offering their thanks. They pricked her finger and collected the blood in their chalices. Lily started a fire in the middle of the circle, motioning for the women to sit down. 
As the ceremony began, the ground began to open up. Layla's eyes widen in shock as Claudia emerged from the earth. She was covered in blood and she had horns on her head. All the women turned and bowed to her chanting the name Lilith. Layla reeled. Claudia wasn't from San Diego. She was a she-demon from hell. And this girl Lily was working for her. Layla struggled against the gag and ropes, but she was too weak. She could only watch as the girl she knew as Claudia walked towards Lily and slit her throat. She then went up to every other girl and did the same. Blood spewed everywhere, and as Claudia walked up to Layla, claws emerged from her fingers. She dragged them across Layla's cheek and licked the blood off her face. She then used her claws to draw blood from her own cheek and forced the bloody finger into Layla's mouth. Her body started to convulse, and she passed out, only to wake up hand-in-hand with Claudia as they walked through the woods together. Have you ever had to trust someone so quickly? Like when you got a new college roommate? Did it ever end in a terrible way? Tell us about your stories and send us an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Sometimes you think you're getting what you want, but the devil always has other plans. Like in this story, inspired by Maggie. In a small apartment in Shenzhen, China, lived Rose and her two children, 12-year-old Wang Li and 10-year-old Jean. Despite loving them very much, Rose had grown distant after the death of her husband, Boa. She was immersed in grief that had become debilitating. She told her children he had passed away from cancer, and every night she would pray in their bedroom saying how much she wanted him back. The kids longed for their father, but they weren't as devastated and broken as their mother. He had passed away when Jean was born and Wang Li was just a year old. They had no memories of him unlike their mother. They did all they could do to comfort her, to help her move on, but nothing seemed to work. She just seemed to get worse and more depressed each day. Over time, Rose became so distant, she became neglectful. Wang Li ended up doing most of the housework, making meals for him and Jean. As for Rose, every day when she got home from work, she immediately went to the bathroom. She'd lock the door, refusing to come out even when her kids begged her. Sometimes, when Wang Li and Jean listened at her door, they'd swear they could hear her whispering something. It was only 8 p.m., and after a lot of strange noises, 
the kids stood by their mother's bedroom door. The room had been eerily silent for a few moments. The moonlight shone into the hallway window as they huddled together. They decided to go back to their rooms when suddenly they heard sobbing from the bedroom, pressing their ears against the cold wooden door to listen. Their mother seemed to be begging. Please, give him back, please. Wang Li and Jean didn't know who she was talking to and just felt sad and helpless for their mother. Just then, they heard a second voice, deep and demonic. It hissed. A deal is a deal, Rose. Especially a deal with the devil. The kids felt their stomachs twist in knots. Jean panicked and shouted for her mother. They heard their mom gasp and cry out in agony. Wang Li desperately tried to open the door, but it was locked. Their mother's screams grew louder and louder, till finally Wang Li was able to smash the doorknob, releasing the lock. They flew into a room full of carnage and nightmares. The walls were dripping with red, and on the blood-soaked bed lay the horribly slashed, lifeless corpse of Rose. Jean screamed. She ran to her mother, then noticed the devilish figure standing over the body. It had claret skin with twisted black horns on its head. His eyes were inhumanly wide and glowing yellow. Elongated limbs ended with long black claws, and it had a jagged tooth smile. It stared at the kids while slowly tilting its head to the side. Wang Li cried, Why would you do this? The beast snarled and explained something they would never forget. Years ago, when their mother and father were first married, they desperately wanted children. However, they tried and tried and couldn't get pregnant. Even the doctors were at a loss. Devastated, Rose took matters into her own hands. She performed a satanic ritual and asked the devil to give her a chance to have children. It worked but the demon told her he would fill her belly twice if she gave up her husband. Rose was so desperate to be a mother, so she did it. She didn't know for sure Bao would die, only that she couldn't be with him. Bao begged her not to, but she refused and soon she was pregnant with Wang Li and soon after his birth with Jean. And then Bao died. Even though she was happy with her children, the guilt of sacrificing her husband ate away at her until she snapped and summoned a demon to beg for her husband's return. The siblings were so horrified by this revelation, the last thing they remembered was the sound of the demon's evil, wicked laughter. When they woke up, they found themselves in a foster home. Their neighbor heard the screams and called the police. When they arrived, they found the kids passed out, clinging to Rose's dead body. That was two months ago. The children remain in the foster home. At first, their grief and lack of comprehension was all that mattered. The carers did their best to look after them. A few weeks later, their behavior changed. Though still subdued, instead of wallowing, they spent all day at the library, reading through books, researching on the internet, until they finally found what they were looking for. Now, in the middle of the night, they can be heard whispering to the devil, they're going to make a deal to bring back their mother, and they don't care who they have to sacrifice to seal it. 
Is there anything you want so much that you would make a deal with the devil for it? Is there anyone in your life that you've lost that you'd be willing to do anything for to get them back? Sometimes the most perfect object will appear in the most unlikely of places. But if something is too good to be true, then maybe the devil is in the detail, as in this story written by Janine Pipe. Jenna stared at the necklace in the window. She had been looking for an accessory for her quinceanera dress for months and had almost given up hope at finding something to perfectly accentuate her dress. It had to be just the right color and price, and sure enough, here it was. The store must be new, since she had never seen anything in this part of the neighborhood before. There were no opening hours displayed, and she couldn't find anything listed on social media under the store name, E-N-F-E-R. Just as she was about to turn away, she had heard a bell tinkle, and a woman appeared at the door. Did you want to come inside and browse, dear? The woman asked. Usually, Jenna was apprehensive of new people, new places, and would have returned later with her mom in tow. But something felt magnetic about the store, enticing, and she couldn't risk losing that necklace to another bargain hunter. Therefore, with a flutter of nerves, she entered the store and headed directly to the display case in the window. That necklace, she declared boldly. I want that necklace. Please? The woman smiled knowingly as she retrieved the jewelry and placed it on the counter. Jenna whipped out the emergency-only credit card her dad had given her, not even considering for a moment if she should seek permission first. Her eyes widened as the woman handed the necklace over. Without hesitation, she put it on, relishing in the cool sensation of the metal on her neck, running her fingers over the unusual gem that would complement her dress just so. Just as she was leaving the store, she felt a stone-cold hand on her shoulder. She turned and the woman stood uncomfortably close. You almost forgot your card, she said, handing it back to Jenna. Please say hello to Mr. Durston on your way past. Jenna made her way home, feeling elated with her find and confused by the store owner's parting words. How did she know Jenna would pass the Durstons on her way home? She was equally surprised to find herself right outside their house. She could hear Mr. Durston in the backyard whistling. Next to the open garage door was a tank of weed killer, and on the other side of the path was the famous Durston roses, the same roses that beat out Jenna's mom every year. Before she knew what she was doing, she grabbed the weed killer and poured it all over the prize-winning plants and raced home. Later that evening, the family sat down for dinner, Jenna's sister was being particularly annoying, showing off a poster she'd made for a school project. When no one was looking, Jenna knocked the table with her knee, causing the large mug of black coffee their dad had been drinking to spill all over the homework. She didn't even feel guilty as she grabbed the paper towels to try and clean up the mess. Several other instances occurred over the next couple of days. Jenna would find herself in a situation where she was able to play a mean trick or cause someone harm, It had never been in her nature to even consider this type of behavior before, and it almost seemed as though she were somehow being compelled to make trouble. Things came to a head when she was crossing the busy road after school that day. 
As usual, there were several other students around, but Jenna found herself next to Lainey, the freshman who had beat her to the last place in the Scholastic Decathlon team. Before she knew what she was doing, Jenna shoved Lainey hard in the back, causing her to trip off the curb and straight into the path of the oncoming bus. It was pure luck that the driver rammed on the brakes as the girl facepalmed the pavement. As the crowd gathered, Jenna ran. This time, she ran back to Ian F.E.R. She couldn't understand what was happening or why. She was just a kind and placid person, not someone who would push classmates into oncoming traffic. And it all started right after she bought that necklace. But as she reached the store, she was dismayed to see it was shut. It not simply closed for the day, but looked as though it hadn't been open for years. The sign was gone. The window display, which had been so vibrant and inviting just a few days ago, was now empty. Just piles of dust and cobwebs, although even they were hard to make out through the filthy glass. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever. She decided to try the door just in case. Surprised to find it open, the bustling environment was gone, no sign of it ever having been there. The building smelt damp and musty, disused, unlived in. She was about to leave when something caught her eye. Drawn in the dust of the floor was the mark of the devil. Next to it was a scrape of paper. It was the receipt for her necklace, and scribbled on the back were the words, Ian, F-E-R, equals hell. We do not accept returns. Jenna didn't understand what had happened to the store, why it was now a ghost town instead of the dynamic environment just a few days before. But she did implicitly realize she had been duped. Perfect objects don't just appear. There is always more to it. And now she was paying the true price at the behest of a store owner from hell. Have you ever felt compelled to do something you wouldn't normally do? Did you feel as though something or someone was forcing you to do it? Sometimes life can imitate art, but if it gets too close, things can go very wrong, as in this tale inspired by Michaela and based on a true story. Despite horror movies being extremely rare in Egypt, Yassin, an inspiring director, felt like he had the perfect script. The story was simple. After the death of his only daughter, a grief-stricken doctor leaves his family home and moves into an old mansion only to experience some violent hauntings. So he calls a spiritualist to investigate. Yassin had cast a real-life spiritualist for the role who had expert knowledge of the paranormal. Saeed El-Husseini Al-Fayek was well known for specializing in black magic. Yassin encouraged him to act as he typically would during an investigation. When they were shooting the exorcism scene, the crew watched in awe as the spiritualist recited a powerful incantation. The spiritualist read Al-Tazar Al-Bar Hatya, written in an ancient language and needed to be chanted at a very specific pace. In addition, the precise pronunciation of each word was required in order to banish jinns. As Alfayak ended the monologue, the crew cheered. Less than 10 people in the world could perform it correctly, as it takes many years to master. 
any small mistake could be catastrophic, since it was believed that no spirit could disobey a summoning incantation. Once performed, the words opened the door for the spirit realm, allowing entry to the human world. Yasin was thrilled with the performance and asked a cinematographer to check the footage. But as they began to watch, they were baffled to discover most of the footage was distorted. When the scene with Afayak's big moment began to play, the cameraman looked in horror. Sir, he mumbled, who are these people? His fingers shook as he pointed towards the screen. Yasin stared at the screen in disbelief. There were shadows of people in the footage who had not been on the set. The director insisted it was probably just something on that reel, but the cinematographer knew it wasn't his fault. The spirits were glaring back at them, and the distortion appeared only on that reel with the incantation scene. However, time was short, and they decided to wrap up the production as quickly as possible. The movie was released, and tickets for the premiere sold out fast, as Egyptian citizens were eager to get a taste of the rare homegrown horror movie. Yasin sat in a packed audience enjoying the fruits of his labor. When the incantation scene took place, a woman began screaming and crying. As people rushed to help her, others began to vomit, unable to control themselves. Some claimed they felt cold hands touching them and others left the theater out of fear that something else other than just a movie was going on. And this wasn't a one-off incident. This happened all over the country whenever the film was being screened. One theater even burned down with no explainable source of the fire. That was enough for authorities to pull the movie. Yassine was devastated. The cinematographer was certain it was the incantation, and after close inspection, Yassine discovered the spiritualist horrific act of deceit. Alfayek had purposely recited the exact words not to exercise the jinn as instructed, but to open a portal. The crew was terrified. Egyptian culture is very strict about black magic. It was not to be messed with, and those who use it to hurt others will become servants of the devil. Yassine desperately tried to find Afayak to retract the spell, but he seemed to have disappeared. Years later, Yassine received a strange phone call. Afayak's wife had found him laying on his back on the floor of his office. His face blew as though he had been suffocated. His jaw was cracked open and there was black tears running down his cheeks. His eyes were as wide as dinner plates staring at the ceiling and above him was a dark stain that looked like a burn mark. When the police arrived, they discovered many handkerchiefs stained with blood and copious amounts of milk, both things synonymous with black magic. And there were hundreds of photos of celebrities with strange incantations and spells written on the back, including one of Yassin from their time on set. There was no logical explanation for his death. His autopsy showed no signs of physical trauma, poisoning, or even cardiac arrest. The case was closed quickly. No one wanted to return to the scene. It seemed Al-Fayek had truly become a servant of the devil seduced by riches and infamy. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. 
Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. Ha <laughs> ha.